0: Welcome back to another episode of Direct Response Secrets. I'm your host, Zachary J. Radford. And today I have an amazing guest. His name is Mikkel Dia. You may have heard of him from a little company called Funalytics. Yes, Mikkel is the mastermind behind Funalytics. And we talk about what it takes to transition from a done-for-you service business into a SaaS company all of the hiccups along the way you better get your notepads out this one is absolutely amazing and you're gonna love it all right let's get into it welcome back to the episode uh as mentioned i have Mikel dia here Mikel welcome
1: what's up man nice what's to uh be here
0: <laughs> so so good to have you i have a ton of questions for you I know a lot of the agencies and consultants of the world are like, you know, I like doing this stuff, but how do I leverage, you know, a little bit of SaaS in my life? And me too, I'm just going to kind of pick your brain and, and learn from you. And cool. uh, I'm very, very excited, but I want to start back at the beginning. How'd you get started in digital marketing as a whole? And I knew you're like, were you neighbors with Scott Olford as well? Like, I, I'm curious, just yeah, yeah. you got started, um, man.
1: Yeah, so that's a funny story actually with Scott. I'll I'll get to that in in a minute, but um, yeah, I started back in 2010 ish is when I really kind of dove into the world of digital marketing. Maybe 2009. Um, I was just really fascinated by this idea of how do you convert a stranger into a customer, uh, and and the reason for that is because I used to run a a I used to run. I I had t shirts that we would sell. I like to call it a company, but it wasn't a company. It was literally yeah, me and my product. friends hustling some t-shirts. <laughs> um, and uh, we we really kind of sold a lot of them to our friends, our family. And and then eventually we got to a stage where we just had too many t-shirts and not enough customers. And I couldn't figure out how do we you know go beyond our network? Like, what were the strategies? So I really wanted to dive into this world of how do you convert strangers into customers? Yes and um i became pretty obsessed with the idea of of making money online and 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 building an online business um i learned everything that i could about all aspects of of the customer journey Um, affiliate marketing it started off with and building little review websites and and uh, seo and and then pay-per-click ads and then funnels and email follow-ups and conversion optimization and and, and conversion psychology and creating offers and this and that, and basically just understanding how does this entire puzzle work? Uh, and eventually it led me to kind of running an agency and, and growing that agency. And then as uh, an agency owner, then building a software uh, specifically for me as an agency owner, uh, which then evolved into a software for other agencies. And, and now that is our primary business called Funnelytics.
0: That's awesome, man. I think that's, uh, my story is very similar. It's just like this thirst for knowledge and trying to understand, like, how do I make money? (laughs) And that leads into, like, this crazy world. And if I'm being 100% transparent, probably for the first, like, five or six years, I had no idea. I thought I knew what I was doing. But as you really get down into, like, the behavioral stuff and understanding all that, you're like, whoa, whole new world uh, and learning. Um,
1: I, to, to be honest I still don't know what I'm doing so <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't change do the I. The day, like you get to it you, you uh, it's funny because you kind of get to a, a, a certain level and then
0: mm-hmm.
1: you hit a wall and then you've got to find out how to solve that puzzle and then you solve that puzzle and then you hit another wall and then you kind of cre- create this it keeps this kind of idea of leveling up so what's what's interesting is I was re- like when I first started, I was extremely naive. Right. I, I had no idea what it took to build a business. Yeah. Um, and and as you start building things, as you start kind of layering these pieces, you start solving some of these problems. But you still don't know what you're doing, even after you get past the seven or eight figure mark.
0: Yeah. It, and I was just in the early time of creating my business, I was so lost. And, and this is, I'm like joking with friends. I'm like, we're going to look back in five years from now and say the exact same thing. Be like, yeah, you, I had no idea what I was doing. Totally. To totally. It out, get it organized. That's awesome, man. Um, So it sounds like you had a pretty traditional uh, route into this, uh, the agency world. What uh, how'd you make that transition from doing the t-shirt stuff into agency? Did you just start doing some stuff and connecting with other people? No,
1: actually. Um, yeah. So, so very random transition. Um, so I, I after my agency, uh, sorry, after the t-shirt business or, or while I was still, I went to school, uh, in London in the UK and nice. as I was there, I met a guy and, and we became really good friends and, and we decided to start a Mandarin language school together. Um, and, and I get the same reaction that you just gave me, <laughs> um, for, from everyone. Cause everyone's like, well, what do you mean? A Mandarin you just find well? like it's a like,
0: demand and you were like, yo, we need to, we need to serve s- these people. Sort, <laughs>
1: sort of. So basically, um, it was actually him who came up to me. He's like, uh, Mikel, um, do you want to start a man- Mandarin school with me? And I was like, All right. what, what, what do you, what do you mean? Start a, man-? like, I don't speak. Mandarin. Neither do you, for a matter of fact. So what are you talking about? How are we going to teach these people? It's like, don't worry about it. I'm. I have the opportunity to license this curriculum from from China, and uh, I'll deal with the operations. I'll find the space. I'll find the teachers. You just figure out the whole marketing stuff because you seem to love it, and and it's what you're you're passionate about. So you yeah. figure out the marketing side. I'll figure out the kind of operational side, and and we'll launch a site. I was like, all right, screw it. Let's let's go ahead and and do this. And um it turns out that after kind of a few years of me learning this digital marketing stuff, I, I was able to actually apply it and and see really, really good results with this this uh this Mandarin school. Um, and we were able to actually build it really quickly and end up selling uh back to the original company in China who we licensed the curriculum that's from. Cool. Uh awesome. yeah, and we did it really quickly. And um, and that's kind of what led me to um wanting to run my own agency is i i started realizing that okay i kind of if i could do this for mandarin i mean i Mm. think i could probably do this for for many different things so i started getting some consulting clients uh and and eventually it led to me saying all right let, let me actually establish this as a real agency um and that's that's what transitioned me from from T-shirts to eventually having a, a consulting practice and, and done for your services.
0: Wow. that's It's crazy because I I look back at my own journey. I'm sure you do the same thing and you're like, I could never have predicted that in a hundred years. It's not like you got the book and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to build. And uh, it sounds like opportunity just knocked and you were like, let's go.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, ultimately um, I studied engineering at school. So completely different, different thing, right? A completely different transition. So um, yeah, different world completely.
0: Speaking about engineering, has that impacted the way you think about marketing or how you solve any of these problems and overall look at business as a whole?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh it was interesting, actually. Somebody mentioned to me um yesterday, when was it? Like early, late last week, uh, a couple of days ago, and he kind of mentioned that hey, like because of what analytics is, Analytics is is you know, these diagrams, these flow charts in a sense, and he was like, it looks like I'm looking at an engineering diagram. And like, I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. Cause my background of engineering, it's, it's how I think about marketing as a whole is, is very much through a lens of an engineer um, more so than a lens of like, let's say a direct response marketer or, mm-hmm. or even a, even a, you know, SEO or content or paid media specialist. I, I really look at it as, as 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 steps and and a linear and a process so uh yeah definitely
0: no that that's awesome so like i want to get to how you did that transition to finalytics from the agency were you literally just and i still do this today i'm like so i need this much revenue i need this much conversion i need and i do that kind of stack is that kind of uh, what you were doing at the time, you were trying to figure out for all your clients, and and then making that transition into uh, running and managing a SaaS company. That's that's quite a jump, and it's clear that your engineering background played a big part in
1: that. Yeah. Um, so uh, to be clear, I am a civil engineer, not a oh, okay. uh, not a software engineer. So yeah. I do not know how to code. I've never written Ooh. a single line of code. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. I, um, I am, hmm. my engineering background was about roads and bridges and figuring out tense tension of like, will this bridge stay up or not? Right. So um, completely different type of engineering. You'll
0: get the connection though. Cause like the blueprints, right? You're exactly. Like, it's, it's much
1: more <laughs> like blueprints than it is uh, anything else. Um, and, and the reality is like when I, kind of started my agency it wasn't so much about like forecasting and, and showing my clients like profit and loss it was more about the problem that I kept facing which is we we as marketers we we kind of draw these diagrams right we, we show these flow charts these mm-hmm. maps of like here's mm-hmm. how these funnels in a sense of how we're going to convert these strangers into customers so we, we map it out for our clients. We tell them that there's going to be these ads going to this landing page. And then there's emails and there's sales pages, retargeting ads. There's all these things. And and when you map it out, you kind of have this nice, uh, pretty picture. And then you kind of have to look at charts and graphs and spreadsheets. And you have to connect multiple pieces of data together and log into multiple platforms and, yes. and build these, these dashboards to try to understand what's working, what's not. Like, it's always nice when you when like you turn something on and like cool it's green i spent this much i made this much it's positive now the question is out of a hundred times how many times does (laughs) that actually happen you know probably maybe once out of a hundred like you launch something and it works yeah so you've got to look at okay well why isn't it working what what it needs to be optimized Uh, where are the bottlenecks what's not converting what's What do we need to do next in order to tweak this so that we can incrementally get towards that stage of of um, of optimal conversions in Mm -hmm. order for us to spend a dollar to make three back? So because I was stuck in this, like, man, I map this way, but I look at data this other way. Wouldn't it be cool if you could just kind of merge these two things together and and be able to see data in the same way that you see your uh, that, that you look at your strategy? And that's fundamentally where the idea of analytics came from. Um, I, I, re- I remember I wrote in a book, uh, a little notebook um, project. I called it Project Game Changer. And it was, you know, map, measure, and map, analyze, and optimize all in like just one cycle. So it just came to me as an idea of like, man, this would be cool. And then eventually... I got to a stage where my agency was growing. We were making pretty good profit and um, things were pretty systemized with my team. And And it kind of got to a stage where I was like, okay, so where do I go now? Do I keep mm-hmm. growing this agency uh, and, and try to get it to the next level? Do I um, go and chase this idea that I have, which is just uh, an idea at the end of the day? And, and I decided that you know I love the innovation aspect, so uh, why not give it a shot?
0: That's awesome, man. I I think that, uh, and I've been there within my own agency. That's that's a big jump, um, and because it's a total different business model. And what I found is I'm like, well, I run age, I run ads for tons of businesses. I'm I'm so cool. I can make profit. I can do all this thing, and then I try to hit it, and do something totally different and fall on my face. <laughs> I'm like, man, the most humbling experience for me is like, I have all this marketing knowledge, but then I go to launch something that I have no idea what I'm doing. And I absolutely fail. How was that transition into the SaaS world? Were there any big learning curves? What type of challenges did you face?
1: Yeah. Um, truthfully, it was very, very um humbling for sure and it was actually more humbling in the latter years so more recently than it had than it was at the very beginning Uh, and the reason is because in the beginning I really spent my time doing what I'm best at which is how do I craft an irresistible offer and how do I market this offer and doing that and basically focusing on kind of the marketing game uh mm-hmm. allowed us to kind of go from 0 to i think it was like around 1.5 1.8 million in our first 12 months nice and yeah it was it was great but um the there was a a lot of nuances there like it wasn't recurring revenue it was it was kind of lifetime deals um i built a community and and we got a lot of people who were all sorts of customers and uh then you end up in the SaaS world hitting this thing called churn. Mm. And churn mm. is to this day still like probably my biggest nightmare. It's the yeah. thing that I keeps me up at night the most. And because no it is so hard. It is it's once you understand the marketing game, um, it's easy to acquire customers. It's easy to craft an irresistible offer. It's easy to set up ads, it's easy to optimize a funnel until it starts making money. Um, In the SaaS world though, that money is only as good as long as somebody sticks and uses and adopts Mm. your product and and continues to adopt your product. And and figuring out the exact product market fit is really, really, really challenging. Mm. Um, So for us, that first couple of years of Funnelytics was really kind of false positives I I, looking back, like, great, we made all sorts of money and and we grew and and it allowed us to kick kickstart the business. Uh, But from an actual true product adoption standpoint, um, we started realizing that, man, like this isn't working. This isn't working the way we need it to be working. Uh, So we had to make a lot of pivots, a lot of adjustments. um, and, And that that has been challenging to say the least, for sure.
0: Yeah, I can can only imagine because who could use this product, uh, Funnelytics? This could be used by a small business. This could be used by a large business. Like you have a massive market and you're solving a very large problem. How do you even go about identifying what that looks like? Are you just putting it out into the marketplace, getting feedback, and then adapting and adapting and adapting, something along those lines?
1: So we made a... (laughs) actually speaking of scott Olfer that you mentioned at the beginning of the call um so scott is, is a really good buddy of mine and um I'll, I'll, it remind me to tell you the story of how we met because it yeah, was, it's, it's very interesting but uh i remember we were sitting one day at a mastermind together and i had just built the prototype of funnelytics and and Funnalytics, it, like I said, it's kind of this mapping tool that allows you to visualize your strategy, but then you can overlay the, the data on top. So mm-hmm. you have this canvas, think of like Miro or or Whimsical or whatever, like a way to kind of just diagram these things. And even though the analytics, it's called Funolytics, so even though the analytics is the true product, it's what we really kind of were, were designed around, mm-hmm. um, when I sat down with Scott... Um, I showed him kind of a prototype and the analytics wasn't even close to ready, but the mapping tool was kind of working and it was working pretty well. Uh, And Scott was like, okay, I understand the vision of the analytics. It's really cool. However, this mapping tool is also really sweet. You Mm -hmm. should give away that mapping tool for free and not thinking twice. I was just like, Actually that's a pretty good idea. Why not? Let's just give it away for free. Yeah. Uh, so we started advertising this mapping tool and of course going back to what you just said, um what does that mean? Well that means that literally anyone who has the desire to map <laughs> a strategy yes. is going to come in and and use this free tool to map their strategy. Yes. And that could be anyone from a solopreneur who's just trying to figure out this this game to the vp of growth at microsoft right yep. um and across any sort of industry right which
0: is a marketing so, nightmare but a blessing at the same time
1: <laughs> precisely it became this this blessing and nightmare at the same time because
0: yeah
1: now it became okay well well what are we building really like how mm-hmm. how do we now transition this to an analytics product because that's really the the core of the business is the analytics side um and and it became really really challenging if i'm if i'm being completely honest like it, yeah because, no please do because we were like how how do we you know we can't just mass appeal this to everybody we tried um and churn comes in and and For then sure. you have the segment and you have to ask yourself okay well out of all these users who is actually sticking around and using mm-hmm. the tool the way we want it to be used and a big challenge with that is is you've got to wait right you you mm-hmm. like you don't know you know okay great I acquire a customer let's say for 99 or 200 a month like yeah today right well they may use it this week they may use it next week but does that mean they'll use it in three months in six months yes. when exactly are they going to use it and and how do we know if they're activated or not measuring these things um requires you to speak to customers but you know also understand whether or not they're actually using the product and and Mm -hmm. using some sort of product analytics and and all that stuff. So yeah, it's (laughs) it's an interesting game.
0: So it's like this slippery slope of back and forth. And I always say to, because I used to work with a lot of e-commerce companies, and I always say, when's the last time you spoke to your customer? Yep. What do you mean? I was like, we're a digital company. I was like, man, the, the biggest marketing hack you can ever have in your business is to speak to your customers. Were you surprised in some of the ways that your product was being used? Like, I know you you designed it in in a certain way, but then you have other people implementing it however they feel fit. How was that process and, and that from a learning perspective?
1: Yeah, it was more so um, not so much how it was being used. There's definitely some use cases that I I didn't think of. Um, as part of it, but more so the range of how people wanted to use it. In other words, mm. when you looked at our, our feature requests, they spanned from every aspect of marketing, right? So for example, wow. because because the a mapping tool, because you typically start your marketing process with like some sort of strategy, right? Maybe you'll do some discovery first, but you'll start with like some sort of strategy then you can kind of take it a lot of places you can maybe i want to use that strategy and build my my landing pages or you know what i want to use that strategy and align my team so i want to add notes and and project management stuff or i actually want to see the 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 success of that strategy so therefore i do want to connect the data and or or maybe you know so yeah because the strategy is kind of that foundation um Now, based on who was coming in, we just received so much feedback and so many kind of requests that we were now sitting there and saying, "Okay, well, who are we really building this tool for? Right. Um, Who who really is going to use this in the long run? Uh, And and that was that was a challenge, like it was a challenge to just because you kind of have to balance that with the vision of what you really want, because at the end of the day, like it's not about making money and and growing the business yes of course you've got to keep score and you've got to make sure the business is growing Mm -hmm. but if you're not humped up every single day about you know getting up and and working on your company because you're building something Uh that you don't really care about yes um, then it becomes even you know even worse right so so i had to really fight some some questions and ask myself like Am I building this for me or am I building this for customers? Yes. And if so, who are the real customers, you know, and, and yeah. who who do I really want to build this for? Um,
0: it, that was a transition for sure. That is quite the conundrum because you have all the pieces and I can relate to what you like. And I say this, it's easy to make money. It's hard to love what you're doing while you're making money, I find. Um, so because I built my agency, we we're doing media buying and we we're doing decent numbers But I mean, at the end of the day, I just built myself a super high paying job. And I was like, what am I doing in this? But like, uh, make it more. Everyone's like, oh, congratulations. I was like, oh, I don't really love it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And that's why I started getting into the content stuff, because it's kind of more my thing. And I like asking questions and learning and observing and all of that stuff when uh you're in that problem have we solved that problem today you have your your ideal customer what does that kind of look like just out of curiosity yeah yeah
1: um we we've solved the problem for sure in terms of you're understanding true. who is the ideal customer and and getting to that stage um now actually our biggest challenge is getting more of those customers which is a challenge that as a marketer i feel like i it shouldn't feel like a challenge but it's actually harder than i than i i anticipated um because i even though i know this marketing game and i've been doing it for a long time yep uh sometimes you have blinders on when you're building your own business right 100%. so you you, you kind of look at it slightly slightly differently um but for us it it kind of came down to we you Product market fit in SaaS is a weird thing because it's not something you can iterate on very quickly. What I mean by that is yes. you have a set, you have a, let's say you you know, okay, I'm getting a bunch of customers and now they're, they're all churning. And 80% of them tell you that, well, it's because you don't have a Facebook ad integration and I can't see Facebook ad data onto the platform. Okay, cool. So now yeah. in order for you to go and, and validate whether that's really true or not because it's one thing to get the feedback (laughs) it's another thing that people actually adopt it in the way that you want
0: yeah you now
1: have to go and spend three six months building a prototype of a facebook ad integration which Mm -hmm. means you're using that money up front and spending that money up front because it's not like i can go like a course or or let's say coaching where i can just make a change right and next week there's the change um yep you got to go and build it and then you go and build it and then you get people to try to adopt it. And then once you get people to try to adopt it, then you got to go and actually like get that same feedback. And, and that cycle keeps iterating. So we finally got to a stage where um, we've built the platform that is great for our core user, which are performance marketing agencies. They are the agencies that do full customer journeys, Um, who look at kind of all the different touch points of the actual customer journeys who are are ultimately responsible um, and accountable to getting a person to do a very clear action on a website. Hmm. Um, So not just the media buyer, for example, where their job is to generate leads, but they're not looking at what happens across the funnel or how the Hmm. funnel is designed. Yep. Uh, we really look at these agencies who are kind of responsible for that whole journey. Um, and then there is, you know, very few platforms that are as good as ours to help them deliver and, and look at those results and all that stuff. So, yeah. uh, yeah. And then now it's our job to go and find more of those people.
0: <laughs> so, and being responsible for full funnel is a lot different than like you're saying, just running ads. There's Correct. a lot of moving pieces to that. And I find even though even if let's say the data is bad, you still need something to tell a great story, <laughs> yeah. because you're pitching that to clients. You're pitching even if you're an internal team and you're trying to do that. It almost reminds me of like um, not marketing consultants, but this uh, oh, what are they calling that now? The uh, the person, the CMO who has multiple positions or multiple companies that they work with. What is that called? Fractional. Yeah, CMO. fractional CMO. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys see any of that?
1: Yep. So fractional CMOs, um, basically agencies that act as fractional CMOs, yes. um, and ultimately the performance driven agencies who, who, again, they, they kind of build landing pages as well as, you know, set up the automations who kind of come in and, and do full funnel services in a sense. Uh, those are the core agencies that use Funnellytics.
0: So how are you going to market them with your product now? I, if it was me i would literally just be cold emailing people and trying to have conversations and network and build that you should use a podcast podcast might be good for you guys too man yeah
1: yeah um we we we're looking at like starting a a bunch of content channels um a, a big part of it is is really speaking to uh speaking to the right language so so yes. um creating content around customer journey performance and all of that stuff Um, But you're 100% right looking at, let's say, HubSpot certified partners and then using and scraping those lists and then cold emailing all of those um, HubSpot certified partners. Why HubSpot? Well, typically their clients are worth uh, a little bit more because they use HubSpot. Um, Their clients leverage inbound marketing, which is what Funnelytics helps with is, is looking at that kind of inbound funnel, not so much the outbound stuff. Um so yeah just testing various channels of how can we awesome. get in front of them
0: That's awesome man and have you found that there's any particular offer that works right now well for you guys are you guys doing like a free trial or are you guys selling something on the front end what does that kind of look like just out sort of curiosity
1: Yeah about. so for us um where we found the most success in the early days of phonolytics the success was free mapping tool to uh then kind of on the back end hey we also do this analytics thing right um that gave us a lot of success in the early days when we were kind of looking at lifetime you know lifetime purchases on the analytics front um it also kind of created a lot of curiosity so a lot of people mm-hmm. would pay for the analytics but mm-hmm. more so from a curiosity standpoint mm-hmm. where it failed for us was it just attracted anyone and everyone who wanted I think a free I bought mapping it. tool. Huh?
0: <laughs> I think I bought it originally. Yeah, there you go, right? So uh,
1: it, it attracted a lot of people who just wanted a free mapping tool. Yeah. And um, it out of those people, only a small segment of them were actually, you know, performance marketers. And what's interesting is even then, like now looking back, okay, well, you could actually say, well, what about in-house businesses versus agencies? Mm-hmm. And it took us a long time to figure out that Funnalytics was actually very much a user-centric tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and because it's user-centric, unlike something like, let's say, HubSpot, HubSpot is, is a business-centric tool, meaning once I install HubSpot yep. and I'm starting to get leads, it doesn't matter who's on my team, HubSpot is the the CRM that we're using, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Analytics
1: is, is fundamentally used by an individual. That person's coming in, that person's mapping out a strategy, that person's looking at the data, that wow. person's the one making decisions, right? So what we found is we went for a, a good two years. We actually pivoted from kind of, we used the free mapping tool to try to identify businesses that mm-hmm. we could go and, and sell to. But what we found is even after going after businesses, um, the success criteria or the success effort was really, really high because A, not every business has performance-minded marketers on their team. Some of them maybe are content marketers or whatever. So we had to educate them on how to be performance-minded, A, but then B, Mm. if that person ever leaves the company, the tool goes with them because oh, the no. next person who comes <laughs> into the company may already have their own yes. s- way to do things. And, and now it becomes a new sales and, and et cetera. With agencies, we found that, okay, well, because an agency can come in and once they adopt it, well, now it becomes part of their operation, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it's used by a certain person within the team, it's part of their operational process as to how do they show the results of clients, how do they deliver uh, value, etc. So from our standpoint, just being able to narrow down... um that thought process. And it's just this constant thinking of how do I keep narrowing it down, narrowing it down? Like who exactly is the one who's basically raving about this product, using it consistently, um, and, and is willing to pay more for it as they kind of keep getting value from it. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: It, uh, what comes to mind when you say that is, I think of people Mm -hmm. inside of an organization, even if you would start a rung down, do you know what I mean? And promoting to people that aren't necessarily your ideal customer today, but will be in a year, two years, three years from now, starting that education bracket and just keep bringing them up because I think uh, maybe this is because I'm a direct response marketer. Like you, ne- I need to see it. I want to visualize it. I want to know the numbers. I want to know all of these things. Uh, but you're 100 right. There's a lot of people that are kind of like just throwing stuff at the wall, or they have generalized uh, systems and processes in place that they think are doing a good job. Um, what is the biggest mistake you see your users doing, or someone who's not using your your software properly, just from uh, an analytics and conversion standpoint? Do you see one big thing that really pops out to you?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, before I kind of touch on that, um, wh- what's interesting about that whole education aspect? Uh, you're 100 percent right. Uh, it, getting people at the ground floor is great, but then there's the so, for example, we have a lot of universities who use analytics mm. and what's interesting is they use it as a teaching tool right a way to kind of properly teach marketing because again it's visual it's easy for students to learn the issue comes down to this idea of of payback period right you're a direct response marketer so you know that if i spend a dollar on ads my job is to get three or more dollars but then the question is how long does it take me to get that three dollars back in SaaS. You know, a, a a good payback period for a scalable agency that's VC backed that has money in the bank is yep. like a 12 month cycle. Right. Mm-hmm. So basically I it cost me one hundred dollars or let's call it a thousand dollars to get a ninety nine dollar a month, you know, customer. I will make my money back in 10 months and nope. then everything else after that is, is profit. Therefore, that, that makes person- me
0: nervous. Just hearing that, man, <laughs> totally, man, totally.
1: And it makes, it, it makes me nervous too, which is why like, um, you know, that model is a little bit flawed in in, in general, because then you need a lot of capital in the bank in order to grow. Yep. Um, now that said, going back to kind of your initial question around like what, what are the challenges or what are people seeing or doing that is, is incorrect. So the biggest thing that I think is broken in our industry is this concept of attribution.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So in my mind, attribution is a problem because it makes you think in dollars and cents as opposed to people. Here's what I mean. Um, we kind of always ask ourselves well how do i what attribution model or how do i basically attribute this revenue back to a specific touch point or a click or whatever right mm-hmm. well let, let's give a very very simple example imagine um i had i i spend a hundred dollars or I, I buy something for a hundred bucks okay mm-hmm. and basically what happens is i click on a facebook ad I go to an opt-in page, I put in my name and email, then eventually I click on an email, sends me the sales page, and I don't buy right away. I browse the internet, I see a a Google retargeting ad, I click on that, I go back to the sales page, and then I buy, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there are three core clicks there. There's the Facebook ad, the email, and the uh, Google ad. Okay, so a first click attribution model would say that Facebook, generated $100, right? And the other two generated zero. A last click attribution model would basically say Google generated $100 and the other two generated zero. A evenly distributed would say 33, 33, 33, right? Mm -hmm. We basically Mm made $33 on each touch point. Okay, that's fine. But now let me go and say, all right, what if it was one person who spent that $100? now explain to me how it works so are you saying that we can divide that one person by three clicks and that and now a third of that person is the customer and or are you saying that basically the customer is came because of google and therefore that the one conversion should be attributed to google well it doesn't really make much sense because every single one of those touch points was part of that person's journey in yes. order for them to be a customer. If I remove Facebook, they're not clicking on that Google retargeting ad, right? Yes, if I remove 100%. the Google retargeting ad, yeah. they're not coming back to the website to buy, right? So yeah. you have to look at all of those, which is why we look at data in in the sense of, of contribution mm-hmm. as opposed to attribution. And what I mean by that is, did this touchpoint contribute to somebody doing the action that you want, right? Mm -hmm. So if I were to look at somebody's timeline and look at all the touch points that we had in order for them to become a customer, was one of these touch points part of that journey in order for them to become a customer, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think a lot of times people sit there and say, hey, how come I can't see, you know, uh, I can't change the attribution model inside of FunnelX or how come, um, you know, I, I can't attribute revenue to a specific ad. And yeah. the truth is, as a media buyer, attribution's great because now you can say, well, I'm responsible for cold ads. Let me turn Love it to it. first click and make sure that everything gets back to me so I can show you the return on ad spend. Yes. Um, but the reality is when you're really responsible for the full journey,
0: yep. you
1: come to realize that actually you have to look at whether this touchpoint contributed right? And and that's really what you should be reporting on. Did, did Was this part of somebody's journey?
0: No, it makes uh, so much sense. And it's kind of um, the question that I would get a lot when I was buying media was, uh, what's the cost per click? And, and for me, it's kind of like the same thing happening there. It's like, I don't care how much it costs for that click, as long as it <laughs> equals a conversion and we're all making money. So it's like fully understanding that and I would always stress to my clients to like, to look at the human beings behind the dollars and the cents, because always. at the end of the day, that's the business. That's what you're growing, man. And, uh, Mikel, I appreciate you coming on. What, what are you working on right now? Or how people, how can people get access to Funalytics? And is there anything that you want to plug and kind of talk about quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always working on Funalytics. Funalytics is that's my primary, fun. uh, business, and it's the only thing I'm focused on. Uh, but, um, if you're a performance-driven agency and you actually love to get results for your clients and you want to show them how you get results, you can check out FunnelX.io. Um, If you want to learn more about performance marketing, I, I tend to post quite a few things on LinkedIn, so you can kind of follow me on LinkedIn as well.
0: Mikael, thank you, brother. Appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you for having me. Cheers.
0: tell you, was that a great episode or what? Mikel was gracious enough to tell us his entire process on how he transitioned from running a done-for-you agency to building a multi-million dollar SaaS company. He literally paved the road for us. So if you like this episode and you want to see more episodes like this, take a second to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. If you're on YouTube, consider subscribing because I'm going to be posting there more often. I appreciate you and I'll see you in the next one. Peace!